Sales is King, episode 137. Hey everybody, welcome back to Sales is King. I am your host, Dan Sixsmith. Happy to be back with you as we start to wrap up the end of 2021 and look at some of the big changes coming in 2022. Hope things have gone well for you this year um, and you're pumped up for the holiday and getting ready for a strong start to 2022. Um, Before we get going, uh, certainly want to encourage you to like and share the podcast, share it with your friends, share it with your colleagues. If you get value out of it, by all means, leave comments and any questions or reactions. I want to hear from you, dan.sixsmith at gmail.com. And you can find us on just about all of the major platforms, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and uh, many, many others. I also listen to some of my other podcasts on Himalaya, which is a great platform. If you haven't checked that out, check it out. Um, Let me know what you're listening to also. Jot me a couple of lines. What are your favorite podcasts? Who do you like? Uh, As we go into 2022, we're going to try and weave in some more interviews and um, get back on a more regular routine. So, you know, let's talk about what's coming in 2022. Let's talk about how B2B buying and B2B selling is shifting and what we need to do to raise our game to the next level, to continue to be successful. And, you know, all I'm hearing now is what a tight market it is for sellers, and um, which, is, which is great. Um, and, you know, when I say a tight market, a tight job market, and, um, you know, things are pretty good if you're in sales. But at the end of the day, it's still all going to come down to performance and success and winning business and closing deals and bonding with customers and connecting the dots and getting more deals over the line, okay? Because ultimately, you need to put up numbers or even in a tight market, you could be shown the door. So let's think about some of the key components of what we're gonna need to do in 2022. So, you know, definitely I see a hybrid environment starting to take shape. Um, back to some of the face-to-face meetings in conjunction with Zoom. And how do you balance that, right? So that's going to be one of the key things. When do we meet in person versus when do we do Zoom? We love the efficiency of Zoom and how many things and how many meetings we can get done in a day, right? You could plow through 10 or 11 calls versus maybe, you know, three, four, five physical meetings in a day, depending on you know, where you're selling. So I think it's going to be the ability to navigate that hybrid environment. When should we be face-to-face versus when should we be on Zoom? And how do we mix the two? And certainly, you know, um, 
all the more important meetings. Let's get face to face. If we can get some, some more of those stakeholders together in one room, that would certainly be a plus versus having to have multiple Zoom meetings or um, having stakeholders trying to connect the dots behind the scenes. So um, number one, navigating the hybrid Zoom versus in-person um, environment. Number two, um, you know, we've been talking about this a long time, but value-based selling continues to move squarely into the forefront of the B2B sales motion. Value selling, um, everything from being able to conduct an effective discovery, which raises the conversation away from features and benefits and turns it squarely focused on buyer challenges, buyer initiatives, right? Um, I, I relayed the story to you on one of the earlier episodes, right at the beginning of the pandemic. Um, a big customer of ours selling into a big customer of theirs, um, meeting with the CFO, and the CFO essentially says he's throwing out potential projects coming his way if, number one, they don't address one of their top five strategic pillars, number one, and number two, if they don't have a significant ROI or internal rate of return. Um, so, so think about this, right? The ability to do an effective discovery to identify buyer challenges, buyer strategic pillars, buyer initiatives, and then later demonstrating the financial return, the business case. These are all areas that could slow down a deal. Um, you know, and, and in addition to, and by the way, just as a quick aside, on LinkedIn, we're doing a weekly video uh, series called The Value Snack. Check that out uh, on LinkedIn. That's Dan Sixsmith on LinkedIn. We'll do it every Tuesday or Wednesday. A quick 30-second to maybe a minute value snack video. So check it out. But, you know, what we talked about in one of those value snack videos was that you know, it's just more, there's more to it, right? We, we need to connect with buyers on an emotional level, on a, you know, something besides a rational level. How do we bond with them? How do we build a bridge to have them trust us, right? Because we've learned from many of the studies over the last several years, the number one reason why deals do not close and why buyers go dark is that they do not trust the salesperson. The number one reason why deals do not close is that the buyer does not trust the salesperson. So how do we build trust in that discovery? In addition to doing the homework, and that's one other thing, right? It's not just coming in and interrogating the prospect. It's doing the homework and having them validate some of the conclusions that you've drawn already um, about the prospect's current state from the articles, from the postings, from social media, from everything you've read, from, from some of the people on the ground that you've spoken to there, right? Um, so, you know, validating and questioning and listening, active listening, right? 
is another one. It's all part of value selling package, active listening, playing things back, right? Not just, you know, I can't wait for you to stop talking so I could start blathering back and flipping up my, my canned PowerPoint and, um, you know, staying on my script. But, you know, I want to bond, right? So how do I bond? Because I want to talk about more than challenges. I want to know what my buyer, you know, what their connection to this project is or this initiative. What happens if they're successful, right? Um, how are they feeling about this specific pro uh, problem that we're trying to solve, right? Um, if you follow Keenan, who's one of my favorite um, subject matter experts on sales, he says, no problem, no sale. No problem, no sale. And I love that because it's true. If we don't find a problem that's worth fixing or addressing, there's really not going to be a deal. You're in that dreaded nice-to-have category. You know, we'll get back to you uh, when we're good and ready, which is likely never. So I want to connect emotionally in addition to rationally, and I want to build trust by really understanding what is at stake for that buyer, okay? So, you know, the effective discovery, the ability to, and we've talked about this a lot, storytell, right? Storytelling in sales today is crucial, and it helps build a connection. When we hear value selling, we said this in one of the value snacks. It's not just about numbers. It's not just about a business case. It's not just about the ROI or a calculation. It's, the about, the, it's about the ability to tell a compelling story. And how do we tell a story? We tell a story by understanding what the buyer's current state is. We, we find out what that pain is, what it's costing them today, what's at stake, and we start to paint a picture of the future state. We transport that buyer into a future state of success, post-sale, where they've purchased your solution, where they've solved their problems, where they're, you know, where they're happy and where they're promoted and where their company is hitting the KPIs that they've set out to do. Um, much like the success stories you show them, like ABC Company, who did this with us, right? Like XYZ Company, that had the same issue. And like John Smith, who was our stakeholder at ABC Company, who is now VP after that successful uh, launch and rollout of our program. So we do that storytelling, um, which is exceptionally important. And then we quantify, you know, the value. We quantify the current state, we quantify the pain, and we quantify the value. We have the business case ready to go. We arm the champion with not only numbers, but facts and data, storytelling, backup. We're building trust. So value selling Number two, going into 2022. Number three, differentiation. And you're probably saying, well, this isn't new, Dan. You know, no, it's not new. But the way we differentiate is always changing. And we always need to 
potentially adapt or alter our sales game depending on who we're meeting with, right? The ability to understand the customer, to pivot our message depending on who we're speaking to, what role we're talking to, what industry, what company, what location, right? What solution? We have to be able to pivot accordingly. We have to be able to differentiate. And our ability to differentiate starts with ourselves because ultimately remember, they're buying you. You are the face of the deal. You are the face of your organization. They're buying you, okay? They don't buy if they don't trust you. They will buy, their chances will increase of buying if they do trust you and if you differentiate, okay? Because when you think about it, there's a lot of options, there's a lot of sameness, right? People are going through websites, a lot of them look the same. Here's our logos, here's our solution. Let's go across the top and we'll click on, you know, solution. We'll click on case, you know, it's the same, you know, same, same. So how do we differentiate? We differentiate when we come in, number one, as a subject matter expert, which is what buyers want to meet with, a strategic advisor, right? You understand their business. But think about the very beginning, right? First impression is key. First impressions now begin online. First impressions now start online. Before someone even meets you, they're going right to LinkedIn and they're going to see who am I meeting with, right? And that's where you start differentiating. What kind of LinkedIn profile do you have? How active and engaging is it? How much content do you share? How much original content do you produce, right? Are you doing videos? Are you doing articles? Are you doing podcasts? Or, you know, what are you producing? What sort of thought leadership are you putting out there? Why should someone want to meet with you? Very important. Um, all of this is the kind of foundation of differentiation. And I think before you even go into a meeting now, the prospect has a better feeling about you, a more positive feeling, uh, you know, other than getting a referral, which is phenomenal, right? Getting a referral, um, you know, they feel like they have a pretty good understanding and a positive feeling about who you are. And now the ability to go in and differentiate based on those key problems and key initiatives, being able to match your product or solution to those strategic pillars, to those key initiatives, right? That's what's going to get you to differentiate. Um, what else? The content, the content that you show, right? Because on Zoom today, there's more than just, it's not just phone calls. It's not just listening. There are pitch decks. There's content. So if you could put things on the screen that look different, that act different, that sound different, you will be remembered because that's what we have to do. We have to stand out and we have to 
build that bond, build that trust, and continue to dif differentiate uh, as we go into 2022. The next thing is, you know, consensus building continues to be important and up there among the key skills that you're going to need moving into 2022. Consensus building and navigating the prospect organization. Understanding at the very beginning who all is involved in this decision, right? Who am I meeting with today? Is that person an influencer? Are they a budget holder? Are they a decision maker? Um, how many others will be involved? What type of process are we looking at? All of this is critical to consensus building. Following up, sending content, um, staying in the hunt, right? Continuing to follow up, making sure we always leave one meeting with a next meeting set up, not going back into email chasing. Sending value-based value type follow-ups, not just, hey, when are we going to meet again? Hi, have you made a decision yet? I'm just going to keep responding, replying all until everyone's blue in the face. No, we're going to go back with, hey, here's a new article written by our CEO, or hey, here is a new podcast that uh, we recently published. Um, here is a new tool that we launched. Here's a new logo, a new case study that I'd love you to review. Take a look at page 16. It addresses exactly what we talked about. You know, and it's okay to continue to validate and ask, you know, if, if this is still a priority. And, and by doing that effective discovery and quantifying the cost of the status quo, you could always come back to and say, sorry, but, you know, and this is another Keenan one that I love. I'm confused, right? You told me that this was a massive problem for you and the team. And we actually quantified it to be a $3 million a year problem. And for every month that you don't solve this, it's costing you XXX dollars. So what's changed? What's changed? Let's get this thing back on track. Let's push this over the line. So, you know, extremely important, the navigation. The power of the relationship is the next one. And, you know, it's not going to change. It's only going to get more important. You know, we need to develop relationships. Definitely, you know, in person, great. But, you know, we have to be able to develop these relationships online, on Zoom calls, um, being able to understand what people are wrestling, wrestling with, what their goals and aspirations are. Like, how well do you know each of these people, right? What are their lives like? What are their goals and aspirations? Maybe even outside of this project. Where are they trying to get to? Where have they been before? What sort of common links do we have together? What can I provide in terms of some, some, some personal stories um, with customers I've worked with or with potentially problems I've solved or 
you know, career challenges that I've faced? Or is there a connection of mine that I can help you with? Forget about the deal for now. You know, maybe your son or daughter, their son or daughter is trying to get an internship. Can I provide a connection? Right? Or maybe there's someone at another company that I think it would be great if they knew that person. A great connection for them in the future. This is the intangibles, guys. This is the, these are the intangibles. Right? Offering up your network. Connecting two people up. Getting someone to be a guest on a, on a podcast. Helping them with their career. Connecting the dots. Building that network. Because over time, it's like compound interest. Over time, it's like compound interest. As you connect more people and you help more people, it will all come back. These connections will go out into the marketplace and they'll connect with other people. They'll go to other, other companies. They'll seek you and your service out. So it's really all about selflessness. It's about helping people solve problems. It's about helping people achieve their goals and dreams. If you're nervous going into a sales call, basically say to yourself, this call is not about me. This call is not about me. It is about the person on the other end of the phone. It's about the person I'm going to meet. It's about the person or people on the Zoom screen. It is about them. And if I can help them, then I will feel great. And that is my sole objective, is to go in and learn about them and figure out a way, if there is a way for me to be able to help them. But I'm going to spend a lot of time getting to know them, getting to know what they're wrestling with, getting to know how they achieve their goals. And the nerves are gone, folks. The nerves are gone. Because it's not about you, right? We're not getting on the call worried about, I got to close this deal. I got to grow my pipeline. I got to win more business. Certainly we do. And certainly these are things that we always have to keep in mind. But when it's game time, when we put the helmet on or when we pick up the bat or the basketball, right? Or the lacrosse stick or whatever, you know, analogy you want to use. You know, it's about, it's about the other person, right? Your game is about helping. You're a teammate. You're a resource. And nine times out of ten, you're probably going to know more than the other person across the way. Because you know more about your solution probably than anyone else. Um, And that leads really to the last part, is confidence, right? Confidence comes across on these calls. So does fear, so does desperation, okay? So how do we have confidence? We work hard at understanding all of the different facets of our sales game. We prepare, right? We prepare. Think about school, right? You'd go into a test nervous. I was always nervous if I felt like I didn't prepare enough. If I didn't study enough, I was nervous. 
But if I studied beyond what was required, I went in confident. And I said to myself, hey, man, you know, I know the material. If I don't do well, then it's probably some wacky test designed to, you know, play games with our head. So the same goes, the same holds true in sales. Like we, we have so many calls today. It's not acceptable to jump onto a meeting and wing it. Can't be. We have to make sure we do all of the homework, all of the research, all of the preparation. Um, anticipate all of the potential objections or all of the potential questions. Obviously, you have to think on your feet. But being prepared um, means that, you know, there's not going to be a deer in the headlights situation where something comes out of left field and you don't know how to address it. And by the way, if you don't know, it's okay to say, I don't know, and I'll get back to you. That's a great question. Let me double check that with the team, right? So a lot of things to think about. Let's, let's kind of end it here. Um, let's keep focusing on what is changing, what is evolving, because as I've said to many of you, um, it's not the strong that always survive, but it's those that can adapt, right? It's those that can adapt to change. It's those that will anticipate change, um, those that cling to the past are going to struggle. No matter how strong you are, no matter how great you did three years ago or two years ago or five years ago, if you're not adapting, evolving, if you're not reading, if you're not listening to customers, if you're not looking at the marketplace, the macro and micro changes that are going on, you're going to be left behind. So... The good news about that is there's always the opportunity to rise to the top. There's always the opportunity to rise to the top. And once you get there, you got you to stay there, right? So in sales, we're always proving ourselves um, from one day to the next. It's never as bad as you think it is, and it's never as great as you think it is. You got to stay level-headed, and you got to continue to stay consistent and continue to push your game forward. So folks, I wish you all the best for the remainder of this year. I look forward to connecting back up in 2022. Peace.